The Creative Relay is recorded, mixed and mastered at Smith & Western Studios. If you want to improve the quality of your podcast or start a podcast of your own, go to smithandwestern.com.au and get your first episode produced for free. I'm Paul Dunn, and welcome to The Creative Relay, the podcast where Australia's most inspiring creatives talk to the creatives that most inspire them. Brought to you by Smith & Weston. This time, we're back with Barbara Humphreys from The Monkeys, Sydney, along with her special guest. Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. So, Barbara Humphreys, welcome back to The Creative Relay. Thank you, Paul. It's great to see you again. Likewise. Now, when we last chatted, you uh, gave us a very intriguing teaser as to who you were perhaps going to ask to, to talk on this episode. So would you like to reveal who that person is? So the person, persons, I should should correct. Is that right? To persons, mm. plural. Um, Dave Gibson and Nathan Lennon, formerly of Droga 5, now currently of Hawks. Brewing Company. Oh, yes, you did mention them last time. I did. So that'll be a very interesting little chat. So shall we get them in? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, sit down. Thank you. Welcome, guys. It's great to um, great to talk to you. It's um, good to be here. And great T-shirts. Um, it's missing on the podcast, but there are fantastic Hawks Lager T-shirts on display. Just shameless branding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're all about. It's excellent. They're both great T-shirts. Yeah, I was really excited to talk to you guys. I'm big fans of Hawks Lager, but I think before Hawks Lager, the work that you guys were doing um, overseas. And I think I first met you guys at Mojo, I think, when we were working on maybe a Nestle project or something like that. And then, yep. yeah, you guys have gone and um, from Mojo, gone and done amazing stuff at Droga and all the incredible work you've done and, you know, all the awarded stuff, the Honey Made stuff. I mean, you had Obama talking about your work, the Toyota stuff. It's just, just brilliant. So, so many fantastic pieces of work. And so, yeah, really great to be able to talk to you about that. And then how you kind of made that transition from, you know, winning um gold lines for effectiveness and then back to winning a gold best Australian new lager. Thank you. Um, I think just starting with the advertising stuff, I think, um, I think we're blessed to have, have, have had a career in advertising, to be honest with you, because I think it, it helps us, I guess, problem solve in, in business. So I think Nathan and I always loved coming up with ideas, obviously being creatives and you know, we'd work on our briefs and then we would find ourselves talking about business ideas, hence um, how we came up with, with this, which I'll get back to. But I think creativity and advertising does give you a very great grounding for doing your own thing. And I think, you know, Nathan and I met in London a long time ago. In a, out of a crowded room in a pub in Westbourne yeah, Grove, I think it was. Coming up to 12 years, yeah. 12 years and 13 days, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and from there, I think as, as all good teams that, that, you know, we worked, I think we, we had a bond. And as you would know, like working with a partner is, is really important who that is. And I think you build up a trust. So it's, it's probably the perfect person to start a business with. But I think, you know, we really love advertising. We still do. We love creativity. And we, I think we thought we'd come into this business and we would just be sitting around coming up with our own ideas. <laughs> I do it all day for our own beer. But 
that's not the case. We're like, you know, delivering kegs and doing Excel spreadsheets and trying to work out how to print barcodes, which is the bane of our existence at the moment. Advertising has been a really good grounding. Yeah, it has. Not only in a skill set either, like the one thing that I feel like we, we've been able to draw on from advertising apart from just the technical skill set abilities and whatnot is like a really acute sort of um, sense that if it's it's kind of like what you put in, you'll get out in terms of your work ethic. Like we were never anywhere close to as talented as a lot of the people that we admired in the industry, but we knew that if we just worked later and worked harder, that we might put stuff out there that might get approved internally and eventually make it out in the world and it would be good. So we kind of took that into obviously setting up our own company and anybody that's sort of had to set up their own company and a startup company at that knows that you have to really draw on that level of energy and enthusiasm and passion because it's hard. It's really, really hard sometimes um, as much as it's awesome as well because you've Mm. got your own baby. Mm. So I think advertising instilled that sense of, I don't know, like tenacity and, and like an armor around us that we knew that we could really roll with the punches and going back to the sense of it's important to have a really good partner. I think a lot of good creative teams will really understand the sense of how important it is to have someone with you in the trenches when it's really tough Mm. because you can still yell at each other, but it's not personal. You can still kind of like hash things out in the most kind of like difficult situations and, and environments, but know that you've got each other's back, even though you'll never say that. Yeah, we have a lot to thank for, I don't know, like those 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 days of what we might even think now as training in the in the ad industry to to at least get us through like this first chapter of our of our business. You know, it's been as as any business tough, but yeah. I felt like that's been a really nice sort of platform for us to 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 get going. And you sort of work, I guess, as a team, as a, almost like a company within a company. Yeah. We sort of probably still work in a way like a creative team when we're at work and we're trying to get better at separating ourselves. Yeah. I wanted to ask about that. Yeah. The, how the, how it goes now. Yeah. That's like been one of the toughest things. Like what, what are you supposed to do and what am I supposed to do? So we're not overlapping because we're always together and we're always trying to talk about the same thing and it's, it's good. Yeah. But how do we identify what you should prioritize and I should prioritize? And is it about skill sets or is it about like, just what do you feel like doing today? Yeah. I think we've naturally tried to take on different roles because we've had to. So Nathan's more your sales and marketing side and I'm more your PR. Yeah, and PR because he's more front of house. Um, (laughs) And I'm more um, operations, I guess. So I'm doing, I mean, we're doing a bit of everything, but, you know, I'm finding myself dealing with logistics and the brewer and brewing and and all that, which I I love. Let's just correct that. You're not dealing with brewing. No, I'm not brewing. I'll just be really clear on that. (laughs) That that would be really, we wouldn't have been winning anything for that. Us Um, near a tank. No, but but yeah, it's sort of, that's sort of, I'm doing that sort of stuff and Nathan's more doing the, the sales stuff, which is naturally, I think, yeah, feels right. How did you meet your brewer? Like, you know, did you have any background in that in that area? No, I, I'd, done a, I'd done a home brewing course and um, that's about the extent I knew. And um, we were lucky enough to, to meet Justin Fox, our, our brewer, um, just fortuitously. We had a few brewers. We were Once Bob agreed to sort of let us do the business, um, we, we had a few brewers that we were we were sort of trialing and um, didn't work out for whatever reason, but we... I could tell you the reasons, but carry on. Yeah. Um, Justin, they just went up to scratch, I guess, but just, we met Justin. It was just like we hit it off. He got what we were trying to do and um, 
he's amazing as as a brewer and a person and he put his the first trial brew in on boxing day um and it came out test. a couple of weeks later during the test and we tasted it and it was like first go he'd nailed it um so and that became our our lager and then yeah april of that next year we were at the clock hotel here in sydney um launching them what wow. year was that 2017 yeah oh, april yeah. 2017 so wow. it's only been going just over a year but um feels like a lot longer it's <laughs> incredible <laughs> And so to go back a step, so how did you come up with this? How, what was the inspiration? You were in New York. If you were to go like right back to like where the seed might have been planted, it was it was actually maybe um, 2011 when we were working at um, Publicist Mojo at the time and an ex-colleague of ours is really good, really good friends with Bob and um, kind of drew on a bit of a favour to get um, to get him into the agency to, to sort of cut, um, to, to film him to... To essentially put a put a piece together for a pitch, as a bit of wow factor, um, and Hawkey came in, and we were mad Bob Hawk fans, um, having grown up sort of through the eighties, and um, just have this sort of connection back to that time, which is probably another p- passion of ours, like in, in how we want to build this company. But um, yeah, we at that point we realised that there was a bit of a connection. Uh, with somebody that we knew um, and maybe it goes back to that old, old adage of never burn a bridge, always keep, you know, keep people close in some way and um, cut to like about, yeah, two, three years later we're sitting in Droga 5 on Australia Day and we were, we were working our asses off in the Wall Street office and as much as we really, really like kind of appreciated where we were at the time, I think that it dawned on us that it was a Monday and it was 30 degrees back home that day and it was a public holiday, yet we were working and we started kind of bemoaning the fact that we weren't at home at that point. And um, I shot a question out to Dave, which I'd already sort of preloaded the answer in my head, as, and the question was, who would you most like to have a beer with right now? And I guess I kind of expected his answer to be like a mate or something like that because I'm thinking Bob Hawke. And he said, probably Bob Hawke. And it was this like weird sort of catalyst to a to a conversation about Bob and kind of like a mutual appreciation of of who he was as a as a as a prime minister and and um, a leader. Um, and I think these sorts of things become even clearer to you in contrast to sort of a situation a political situation that's sort of um, in front of us now. And I think we kind of miss the days where we have leaders that feel like they're authentic. Um, and we also, you know, we talked about the fact that he was loved in Australia because he could connect with the people and he could go down to a pub and have a beer with just about anyone and it wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be like a, a mobile phone out filming him and he would know about it and suddenly like that's a shot to um, popularity he it was super old school back then and he it was a genuine love for people and we thought what an amazing set of characteristics to build a a, a beer company around we'd worked on beer in the past and we always really obviously loved I loved that and loved beer um so all these things sort of started formulating in that conversation and this sort of extremely ambitious question sort of arose 
And that was what would a beer company with Bob Hawke at the front of it look like? You know, what, what, what should it, what should it be? And, and I don't know, like uh, we were thinking about our colleague that, that knew him and I think it simmered away for no more than 24 hours. And I think you just know sometimes when you think like, there's probably no chance that this could happen, but let's just ask. Like a big motto of ours is like, you don't ask, you don't get right. What's the worst that could happen? So um, that's where it sort of started. And then, yeah, we we started kind of like going into kind of ad mode, I guess, and putting together our deck, <laughs> you know, putting together the pitch or putting together like something very short um, that we were – you know, fortunately allowed to send across to him through our, our ex-colleague and um, he yeah, gave us a preliminary thumbs up sort of thing and that essentially meant that we had to, had to, we were straight away, straight away kind of like booking a, a, a ticket on, on a Qantas flight back to Sydney. And So you quit your jobs or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've actually told anyone this, but hey, what the hell, <laughs> we'll say it. Um so, oh, no, it's going to get out. Yeah. So at the time, he'd sort of given us a tentative yes, and he'd said, look, yeah, it sounds okay. I want to meet the guys, um, so fly back. So we sort of took that as this is happening. Yes, great. It's like a client saying, yeah, you've won the pitch or you sort of won the pitch, and we're like, yeah, great. So we walk into David Droger's office, and um, you could tell he was like, oh, this looks because we called a meeting with him and he's like, oh, yeah, out of the blue, this looks a bit weird. So we walked in there and we said, we're moving back to Australia. And he said, oh, okay, you've got a job at another agency. Well, we said, no, mate, we're setting up a beer company with Bob Hawke. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, we, we didn't really know we were setting up. So looking back, we're like, you idiots. Like we were, you know, amazing agency with amazing people doing great work and we're like we've actually just quit to set up a company that might not be happening but at the time it felt like it was and i think we've we've all again like nathan said i think we always try and it was a pragmatic decision though because i think we knew that if we were really going to um be able to set a a company up there's no way that we'd be able to do it on the side of working full-time as as cds at droga yeah it's that 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 in itself is a is a full-time job and a half so we had said to each other we promised each other once we sent that deck off initially if he give it gave us a tentative yes then we're just going to go for it no matter what so yeah we sort of had to go for it it was a bit of a roll of the dice yeah. yeah we we flew back and got suit jackets on like we're going to a meeting and we walked back in there thinking we're going to meet him in his study or his boardroom and he invited us into his kitchen and he's sitting there and he's like, like semi in his PJs. Yeah. Having his <laughs> halfway having through coffee. the halfway through the morning papers as he likes to read and so it became this moment where we had to essentially compete against the the newspapers on the on the table in front of him and you know, I think he had a slipper off kind of thing and everything that we do in, in the ad land when we go to meet clients is really polished for a good reason because there's an understanding that we're, we're professional. But he's the ex-Prime Minister of Australia and it doesn't he doesn't care. It's got just nothing to sit down in front of me and um, what do you got? Yeah, it was pretty weird to be honest because he's a hero of ours as well. So yeah. the first time we get to meet 
you know, like there's a bit of starstruck. Mm. So we have this big pitch deck we've printed out on A3 and it's laminated and we're, <laughs> we're going through it and we're like, Bob, it's, it was let, actually let me, yeah, like an ad presentation. It? It, was, it was huge. It was, A2. it was massive. It was the too poor, big. And he's the poor to bastard's like, trying to like yeah. uh, just fumble his way through these massive laminated like things and he's getting exhausted just turning pages. So we're halfway through this pitch and, you know, getting really into it and he says, look, I'm just going to stop you there, guys. Um, Why do you think this will work? And um, we said, "Oh, Bob, it has to work. Um, we've just we've just quit our job back <laughs> in New York, so it's got to work." And he's like, "Well, okay, I think you know, I'm going to give you guys a go. I'd, I'd be a bum if I said no, so let's do this." And that was that was it. I'd be yeah, a bum if I said no is yeah. like the the best way of getting a yes from. Did he actually say that? Yeah. Yeah. And we gave him a Cuban cigar because that was he loves Cuban cigars as a, as a sort so of. So the meeting was gift. like fifteen minutes, yeah. really. Wow! And then he invited us out to his balcony, and we sat out there for two hours while he smoked his cigar and told us super inappropriate jokes. Yeah, that was a really special moment for us. So what happened next? Did you did you have to go back to New York to yeah, sort we, out? We flew everything back to and- New York because we still had lives there and then I sort of we sort of I guess started building the we didn't have a job from there. yeah so yeah. we had to go freelance we were freelancing yeah. actually because yeah, we didn't have a job so Droga's kind of like well hold on a second yeah. won't you guys <laughs> so we that was for about the next nine months we were back there freelancing to try and fund this so we were just trying to like make as much money as we could and try and work and um, make our peace with New York because we both really loved it as well and and um, get back to Australia and and kind of set it up in what we thought would be an appropriate time. and Yeah, and I guess like researching and doing all the prep that you can for starting up a business and all that sort of stuff. You say that. We should have probably been doing that. And we were on the beer side, but like typical ad people, we were just trying to work out how we're going to launch it and do like the kerning on the label and all that sort of stuff. And knowing what we know now, we wish we'd probably done a bit more business planning, but, you know. I don't know. I found that the one that you've got, is, looks like it's been here forever and I think, you know, that that time spent crafting that pays off because it looks like you've created something that's always been part of Australia. Yeah, well, it's like, I'm glad you said that because that's sort of what we wanted, to be honest with you, is something that, that felt like it probably could have come out of the 80s or but with yeah. a little bit of a modern, modern thing. Yeah, so exactly. Like if you're holding a can, it's almost like you could have believed that this is just a few facelifts away from something that was, that was held in the 80s and um, we've always... Should we have one? Yeah, why not? Yeah, let's do it. Thanks. Be rude not to. I would be rude. Thanks, mate. So what was in it for Bob? You know, I think more than anything, legacy. Well, I think a couple of things. The thing about Bob Hawke is, unlike a lot of people that have ego, he also has a lot of um, empathy and compassion and... Generosity. Generosity. Mm. And I think he really loved the idea of his face being on a beer can, living in perpetuity and becoming something as part of Australia culture, Australian culture beyond, you know, his, his time here. But I also think that he really loved the idea that we had turned up to give it a go. Hmm. Like that real Aussie story of a couple of young blokes that probably don't really know what they're doing or what they're walking into, but I'm just going to give them a crack. And, like, we can't even thank him enough for putting that level of trust in us. You know, there's almost a sense of just, what are you thinking, mate? You know, we, we've never run a, we'd never run a company before, but he still kind of, I think, loved that there was a, a, a sense of ambition 
and also um, that what we put in front of him had a an edge to it that wasn't just about brewing beer. Yeah. It wasn't just about another beer company. It was something that if his face is on it, you know, it has to reflect a lot of the characteristics that, that, that we admire about him and that he sees that are, that are truthful about himself. And one of those things was obviously a, a sense of generosity and giving back. So I think that, that element of the pitch to him, a big part of it was that, that, that thing around land care. And so that was your yeah. idea. You, you guys actually put that. Well, it was a lo- it was a logo out of a, a lot of charities that yeah. we'd sort of right. put on we a page. Did, yeah. Having, having worked in the States and in advertising, we, we started to realize that, yeah, we felt like the brand had to have a purpose. So we sort of, we presented to him in the initial pitch deck that we, that part of this brand was giving back. And thankfully he, he sort of said, oh, I think Landcare would be a very, very good option for that because he helped make it a national movement in the 80s when he was in office. And, and it's a nice little loop back to the fact that, you know, the farmers that, that grow our ingredients can we can help them as well so it's a nice little full circle thing and it must feel incredible when you walk around and you see the, the taps and different pubs and stuff like that and yeah you know just to it's be able to create of, it's a mix of joy and paranoia <laughs> when you when you sit at when you stand at the bar there's an, there's this emotion when someone next to you orders it that's that's really great like but at the same time, when they order a sonam wood, you're like, we're failing, you know, like <laughs> it's micro moments of, yeah. I guess any, any business owner that's probably new to it would, would feel that way about it. I, I'm really interested in, you mentioned Dave about how, when you got that first little nod from him, yeah. how you went back and started working on a launch. Yeah. When did it hit you that you're actually, it was going to be much more than that? You actually had to come up with, you had to do the business side of it. Very, very good question, mate. I think, um, honestly, not until the day after it launched. Yeah, right. Um, we woke up that morning on the day of the launch and we had an embargo on all the press stuff. We'd sent a PR release out and we had, we woke up to people texting us, um, saying the beers on the front cover of the Telegraph. Some reporter had gone and actually, that knew Bob, you know, gone and seen him at his house and done a whole interview on him and we didn't know about it. And then, um, you know, the, the cans on the front of the, the paper and Nathan's fielding calls from angry journalists saying, you know, this this was meant to be under embargo and blah, blah, blah. The first time piece of alcohol was on the front page of the paper and for a good reason though. Yeah. So um, that was good. So that was good. But then it was the next sort of day or week that we sort of went, oh, my God, like, what have we done? Like, it's all very well. We're, you know, used to, you know, you, you launch a brand and you get a bit of PR. It's all great. And then it's sort of like you don't have to deal with the logistics and the HR and the Excel spreadsheets and the in the invoices. And we it did so well at the Clock Hotel that they ran out of kegs within the first few days. So I was deliver, having to deliver kegs in my family car, um, nearly breaking the axle. Because And another learning experience, I realised kegs are actually weigh about 62 kilos. So I'm trying to deliver these kegs into into the Clock Hotel. And I think that's when it sort of dawned on us like, okay, we probably should have had a proper business plan here. But um, <laughs> yeah. So the last year, to be honest with you, is uh, has been sort of a, a massive learning curve. But a good one because yeah. it's something we'd take into to, to whether we got back into advertising one day or, or did another business. It's something that, that we'll take with us. And, um, yeah. Would you ever have done it, do you think, if you'd known what How was? How hard it was? Yeah. It's a good question. Um, probably. I think so. I think, I think we came at it too much as probably ad guys. But at the same time, if we hadn't been in advertising and, and, and especially worked with places like, you know, Droga, I don't think we would have had 
the confidence or the problem solving skills to to deal with the last year i'll be yeah. honest i think i think this industry gives you a very good grounding um in your attitude yeah yeah even though we didn't know anything we knew that we had the gumption to learn and we knew that one of the biggest elements of everything is you can't do it by yourself. And I think there's a few key things you need to have. Like we knew that we had a good brand, but you've, the product still has to be amazing. Hence why thankfully we, we found Justin and he was one of the best brewers and hence we've, you know, won the best lager award in Australia, which is all great. And that was really important. And without that, it would, I think would have been a real one hit wonder. So, um, you have a few key things in place and I think the rest of it, you, you you can sort of learn as you go, but I would doing it again, all again, the business plan we had, I would be working on it for a lot longer. Yeah. If you could go back, there's so much you would change, but, you know, a lesson's invaluable and wish we'd probably have more money behind us as well. That's 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 something that's, I guess, any small business owner will attest to is, is cash flow is, is always a challenge. So having some capital is something that we've sort of come from a career where you've get Trust me, creatives out there, you get paid really well. <laughs> the, for the first time, we're not paying ourselves. And on top of that, a startup company is hungry for money. Whatever the company profits gets put straight back in and then some to the business. To It's it's like a hungry child. It just constantly needs feeding. So, you know, if we'd had the the fortune of, of, of banking some more money, that would have been good too, but sort of part of the journey really. It, it forces you to make smarter decisions. Yeah. It, it forces you to be better business people. And really look at what you're spending your money on. So you're not spending clients' money anymore, you're spending your money. Tell them about the coasters. Oh, it's funny. And and <laughs> as you would know, um, it's the, the, the brief in, you know, the point of sale briefs you would get in the agency, like for shelf wobblers and all that sort of stuff, you would scoff at. We've sort of suddenly realized that's the stuff that actually does help sales because it's, 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 it's this trade marketing stuff. So we've actually had, to, I've been doing these t- things called tap talkers, which sit above the, um, sit above the, the, the decals on the, on the taps and that and shelf wobblers for retail. And it, it's just a total spin out. One of our dreams right now is for bottle shops to accept price tags on those shelves where they where they have six packs like if they could just accept our price tags and if we could just put some little piece of paper under that six pack that would be like if we got that to happen and everyone would comply with that that's like the equivalent of us winning like a grand prix at can right now wow it's so weird <laughs> yeah such a small thing like where your priorities start start lying and and probably the first year we were really focused still on on how much PR we could get, what kind of ideas we could put out into the world that would maybe satisfy our creative ego. But the whole time our focus really should have been how we can support the product in, in, a, in a pub or, or in a bottle shop and all those tiny little annoying things that you used to hate being asked to do are actually the things that are going to set you up. So you can do the things that you're, that will feed your creative ego down the line that'll potentially get you to, you know, a place where you've got a marketing budget and you can put together that beautiful piece of film that you've been thinking about running for your company. But it's, 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 
It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I remember working on alcohol. It was that's always the first brief to come in, like before you've even figured out the end frame or the film or the even the lock up or, or what it looks and feels like. Like, where's the wobbler? It's like <laughs> yeah. we're printing. Where's the wobbler? We're printing it wobbler. next week, or yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the annoying, first thing hey? to go. Yeah. But that's it's that's the big thing yeah. for them. And it's and like, now I know why. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. I've got the context. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you look back and you think, oh, we're such little shits. Like we used to complain about that. We didn't um, realize, you know, that there was a world wobbler. outside. Like our yeah. own our own needs yeah to to have something to enter into can that year it's oh, like it's, it's funny as time's gone on we've you know got to know bob more which has been amazing because as nathan said he is one of our sort of childhood heroes and we grew up with him it's funny we we go to his place now because he's got to approve any new variety we have so we've just released a pale ale and he had needed to taste that and approve that and so we go over and we give him updates every i guess every three months um take him you know what's been happening in the business anything new and we sort of sit on his balcony um which is his favorite place and always have to bring a cigar otherwise he gets a bit grumpy so it's it's good every time we go there i think we're sitting there thinking this is just surreal and we're sitting with bob hawk and he's telling jokes on his balcony and we've got a beer company with him it's pretty young and that he wants us to be there as well and that he's genuinely interested and and his eyes light up when we tell him things like oh it's in more pubs and um we've just won an award like for the beer yeah what was his reaction to that he was so stoked yeah he was he was really wrapped and is he like your mentor do you look at him that way no there's there's a there's a weird fondness for him that's almost grandfatherly i think for me anyway yeah for me um, you know, I, re- I recently lost my granddad, and and I can kind of see him at a similar at, at a similar age now. And um, so there's a there's a lot of I guess empathy for him, particularly as Bob Hawke is such a young man in an old in an old man's body. He's a rascal, and and he's got some you know spark in his eye, sparkle in his eyes still, and um. For us to sort of have the opportunity to spend some time with him in his twilight years is really special for us. So it's very, it's not too much business when we go over there. It's, it's five minutes of, of, of kind of stuff. And here's what we got, here's what we got coming up. And, um, usually 40 or 45 minutes of sitting around and having a, having a tinny and, um, just talking and Bob telling a joke or two and, yeah, a bit of a laugh and getting out of his hair and, yeah, it's really nice. And what's next for for Hawks? Like, are you guys planning more new beers or? Yeah, we're we're in the midst of the moment of. I mean, the dream is to have our own brewery, bricks and mortar brewery, where we contract brew at the moment, or Gypsy Brew, um, in, in, as the industry says. So we use other facilities to brew our beer um, that use our recipe and our Justin oversees <laughs> everything. But you know, it's like a factory, I guess. You you brew it there, and they're very reputable. Um, places but we yeah the dream is to to one day sort of have our own thing so we're trying to put plans in place i think that's when it becomes real for us like when it's when it's our brewery and there are we're we're sitting there and they're our tanks and our brewers working there day to day and our office is like upstairs or whatever and that will be that will be the moment that it's it's super real and and that's when the creative side of it comes in for us as well because that's when we we've our imaginations are running wild as to sort of what it looks like mm. and and what what the experience will be when it's in there and for us it'll be a you know a, a tribute to Bob and but also a, a a mirror of 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 the things that 
we love about Australia and Australian culture and we hope it can be something that feels you know, kind of born out of our love for living the Aussie dream. You talk about that. It's obviously something that's really important. And having, you know, worked in the UK, worked in the US, I don't know, how, how does that affect how you see, you know, being here, having spent so much time overseas? Have you got kind of a renewed appreciation for, you know... For Oz? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That- I think that we're very lucky. We are lucky here. Like you do, you you do. I mean, New York's great, don't get me wrong, and London's great and... Um, I do, I do miss both those cities, and I, but I'm very grateful for working there. But you do, you actually do realize how good we've got it here, and and um, we have something very unique in this country. And I think that there's a lot of talented people here, and I, I do think you can you can really do anything you want to do if you give it a crack. And um, I think there's just a lot of opportunity. So I'm pretty proud of 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 being Australian and and. And uh, you know, having the opportunity to do what we're doing here, I've got to say, I, I so admire your bravery in just mm. doing it. Yeah. There was definitely a sense living in America that anything was possible. Mm. Like these are generations of 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 people that were that were raised to believe that they were actually awesome, mm. um, even if they weren't. And it's infectious. It, I I actually was in a way, not dreading, but wondering how we, both of us, super cynical Aussies would adapt to that environment over there. And admittedly it was New York, so it, it's sort of its own thing. But when, when, when we were over there, we kind of really got swept up in the, in the enthusiasm and the optimism and the sense of positivity. And that may have been one of those things that even enabled us to, 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 to believe that we could even try this in a way. So it's kind of weird to think about it, like in, in a way that the American environment gave us that sort of, I don't know. Mm, courage. Courage. That's awesome. That's yeah. such a unique perspective on the, um, yeah, on how, on that positivity because it's true. I've heard the same thing from friends who were over there. It's like you come in and it's almost shocking at first because it's so different to back home. It's crazy that we have to leave our country to believe in ourselves. Yeah. Like it happens and there's a reason there's so many Australians working in New York. Like we got a good work ethic, we get on with it and, you know, we're talented but we're just not we're not told enough here. Mm. We're not sort of supported enough and, and there's this sort of like nasty comments that happen and, 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 and a putting down thing and it doesn't happen over there as much for sure. I'm not saying there's not, there's not cynicism over, over, overseas. But there is, America does have a very, like, you know, we'll all be very sarcastic and sarcasm is missed over there. Like it's just not a, not a thing at all. We were lucky that we ended up working for an, an agency that was run by an Aussie. Yeah. <clears throat> I think we probably got away with a little bit more because of that. So it was a nice blend of of allowing us to be ourselves to a degree. I don't feel like we had to over-corporatise because we were in the States at the time. Yeah. Um, and that David kind of created a, a culture that was super, I don't know, global's the right word, but he definitely cultivated that that if you're hungry and you're and you're talented or even if you're just hungry, you know, there's free dinner at eight eight PM every night. <laughs> But it was pretty good for, it was a good fit for us, I think, mm. being super Aussie and the way that we were to kind of end up there as opposed to maybe another great agency, but sort of in Midtown yeah. where it would have been a bit weird for us and them. Yeah. And I'm just talking about that a bit for a second because the work you guys did there, obviously, I mentioned at the start, um, is incredible. I mean, the Honeymade work, I mean, the toilet paper and graham crackers, like two of the most 
kind of, you know, sexy, sexy <laughs> products you can think of. But, but the campaign, I mean, that was labeled, um, the most progressive campaigns of the decade. Like, you know, it's, it, I guess that combination of you guys being yourself in an agency like that and the, the caliber of your, your work and, and then where that went to is just incredible. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think we were a bit of luck and a bit of hard work. And I think, I think we got in there thinking, okay, we got this graham cracker brief on our desk and also the toilet paper thing. And I think you just go, you know, it's what, way this better is, this than getting is... the Newcastle beer brief. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's way better than getting something that. You're, you have to follow in the footsteps of a Grand Prix or, or something like that. It's like, well, this is a pretty crap brief. But there are, there are opportunities and, yeah. there was, you know, let's do some, and why not do like, some good work for toilet paper or, or graham crackers? And so. also really good people around you. Yeah. You know, we had, you know, the Kevin Brady's, the the Ted Royers, the the David, you know, and and all the whole team around us from from account management planning and everyone that was super enthusiastic and positive you know nothing nothing great gets done i i don't think generally unless there's many many people huddling around something and and fighting for it and and the clients as well like particularly with honey made like that that was that was something that maybe shouldn't have ever happened but the client really put himself on the line and even I believe had a moment with the president of Mondelez that was questioning whether it was the right call or not to go ahead with, and he made the call on, at, at a level that we didn't, we couldn't even touch. If I had to describe my parents, my dad would be like the smart one and everything, and then my papa would be, he's a funny one. We're kind of traditional guys. Marriage and a family and having kids was always important to us. We met in line at a coffee shop. I knew that week that I was going to marry him. What's interesting is you said you knew you were going to marry me, but that wasn't even in our thought then. Like having a mortgage together was what marriage used to be for gay people. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what I thought. And then the response too, after the the you know the backlash against it, how that response was handled. I mean, well, that was then the went biggest out, thing. I yeah, reckon went sure. out. That was like, the. How quickly did you come up with that response? Super fast. Yeah, yeah that was like that was quick. It was yes. a beautifully simple hmm. way just to well, not not even neutralize it. Actually, make something so yeah. much more positive hmm. out of it. Yeah. It did, did come from the client in the sense that they they backed it. We said we've got this. We want to use all these negative comments and turn them into something positive and they they said yes and it was the first time that a brand had really stuck up for uh, a section of the community and um yeah it just it, it they put their money where their mouth was and it and it worked really well so yeah. but it is, i think it is a testament to any brief that gets on your desk is it's an opportunity it is an opportunity and it's and i mean you know i think you should Look at every brief as an opportunity, whether it becomes that or not. I think you still have to have a crack. We at were it. fortunate enough that there were, I, I suppose, maybe at the beginning of the zeitgeist of broadcasting the importance of equality, and we sort of we got it at the right time. I look at beer companies that are really succeeding right now on the back of certain styles of beer. That I'm like, oh, you guys just got in there on the right time when it was just at that point where people were waiting for something like that, and it was it was different but at the same time people were ready for it and I get super jealous 
my God, that would if that had been us, we could have done that four years ago, but we weren't there. So yeah, timing's everything as well. Yeah. And how, how would you with like currently research and try and like, are you doing a lot of that as well? Like going out and We're going to a lot tasting, of pubs. Going yeah. to a lot of pubs. <laughs> That's yeah. Hasn't spoiled the, the no. enjoyment. Do you travel to try stuff? Or- we travel between Canberra and Melbourne and here, which is good. And yeah, there's just so much new, uh, amazing beer out there every, every month. So it's, it's, you know how like the first thing you learn when you, when you're in creative, like even when you're probably in award school or something, it's got to be fresh. It's got to be new. Don't show us, don't show me anything that sort of, I feel like I've seen before. Mm. And I don't know, there's something about that and the way that you approach your work that that's, that's extremely important that might've informed like the, the brief to, to our brewer for the, the pale ale that we've, we've just um, sort of softly put into the market. We were like, Everyone probably sees us as a bit of a an idea brand, like a, or a, an idea sort of led beer company instead of a beer company. So we're like, we have to do something that feels really fresh here. Like we have to make a statement because we started with a lager, which is kind of in the eyes of of maybe the the industry is not the most progressive of styles because it's been around forever. We want to do a pale ale because it makes sense commercially, but let's do something different. Like let's do something that we might think that in three years' time is going to be where, what people are drinking. And we definitely brewed that for us and, and we love it. And it's we definitely think that hopefully people are going to follow suit in the industry. Um, and even if they don't, we still love it. But I think that probably came from that sense of as a creative, mm. let's not do something that other people are going to go, seen it, mm. you know, that whole – that. Well, the worst thing that you can do is like put something out into the world as a piece of communication and someone snarks done before that kind of thing. So maybe that that's something that we that we took from the industry as well in 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 a completely different way, like how we approach the making of a product. So what would you actually say then to looking back on your time in agencies and talking to people out there who are currently in agencies, what would you say about where they're at right now and perhaps what you miss the most or perhaps what you didn't appreciate the most when you were there? <laughs> the salary. <laughs> <laughs> Just money. No, I think I, I do think we miss, I think people that are in it right now and, and Nathan, I think Nathan said it before, you do have an amazing career. Like you really are, you are in a really amazing industry. I mean, you sit around most of the time coming up with great ideas and you're getting paid to do that. And I think that we probably took that for granted, to be honest, a little bit, I think. Um, and, and the fact that you're surrounded by really talented people as well and, and great, great mates. I mean, some of our best friends are, are from the industry and they'll be lifelong friends. So I, I think we miss that, that camaraderie and that, um, uh, that sense of community, to be honest with you. And, um, yeah, I would just say to anyone that's in advertising, I think just, yeah, just go for it because it is it is a great industry. And But if you want to go out and do something different, just do it. What's the worst? That, that's what we always said. We are like, look, at the end of the day, if this doesn't work. We've got a great career to fall back on. I don't know. We always sort of wonder, like, how if this completely fucked up in the next kind of year or whatever, like, have we left the industry too long or are we going to be potentially more valuable? You'll be really good at doing wobblers. <laughs> yeah, mate. We will be <laughs> gold wobbler mining wobblers. Covered. <laughs> wobblers so, covered. Point of sale. Done. Done. <laughs>
Oh, it's been super interesting and like awesome to be able to listen to your story and just all the context and background. Like I think I've heard oh, it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really great. inspiring. And thank you. For thank us. you so it's much for coming great. on. But the nature of the creative relay, of course, means that you do have to come back and talk to us again, and you have to nominate someone. So. Do you want to give us a hint or do you want to keep it a little bit open-ended? Um, I think we've spoken about this. We definitely have someone in mind, but they don't know they, they don't know yet. They're it's, out there, though. They're out yeah, there. They're out um, well, you'll just have to wait and see, I guess. So, Nathan, Dave, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having us. Uh, Barb, thank you again for coming back and doing this for us. Thank it's been you. It's been great. Thank fun. Yeah, you were a great thank interviewer. Really great. Thank you. It's been brilliant. Thanks, Thanks for downloading the Creative Relay podcast brought to you by Smith & Weston. Go to our website at thecreativerelay.com, made by our good friends at Macadamia Digital, where you'll find a whole lot more info and extra content about the podcasts and all our guests. I'll be back next time with Nathan, Dave and their special guest. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe, like and rate us. See you next time.